0: Our guest today currently rides for Team Bahrain Victorious and has signed there for another two years until 2024. He's a sprinter in the age of the climber at the ripe age of 28. So please sit back, relax, and listen to our great conversation with German writer Phil Bauhaus. All right. Hello, Phil Bauhaus, and welcome to Bobby and Jens.
1: Hey, nice to meet you.
0: Well, you know, we're recording this at the end of November. So first off, how was your off season? I know you're going to get busy here in December, going to training camps and stuff, and just curious, like what sort of activities do you enjoy during this, this break period or off season per se? Uh,
1: yeah. Thanks. My off season was, uh, was really good so far. Uh, my girlfriend and me, we were one week, uh, we were in Greek. And, uh, yeah, just enjoyed our time. And, um, uh, yeah, basically in the off season, I'm happy to, to just basically do nothing, like, uh, just meet friends and, uh, don't do so much, so much, uh, sport
2: so do you like to go to the movies and if yes what sort of movies
1: do you watch with your wife
2: or you have you just do netflix and you be a couch potato at home
1: yeah exactly uh i'm not really into movies i have to say uh like yeah just netflix you know just get inspired by 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 the stuff you can see there um at the moment there's uh I, I watch a lot uh, i have to say youtube like Basically, I never watch TV movies. Just all the time, I I I, I spend my time on YouTube, just <laughs> mainly watching uh, financial videos. Actually, it's uh, just I I like that part uh, next next to the cycling, and uh, yeah, not not really into movies. I have to say.
0: You dated us, Yenzi, by mentioning going to the movies because I mean Phil's only 28 years old. You know they can just stream that stuff now but financial uh stuff what what sort of things interest you in in that area
1: um since yeah two or three years i'm i'm mainly focused on bitcoin like cryptocurrencies and uh, how's that going <laughs> yeah right now it's uh, not looking so good but um Oh, I, I, yeah, I, I, strongly believe in that, and uh, now it's the time, you know, when everyone, like, I, I you know, it's not financial. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not an expert, but you know, like, like I said, I, I believe in it, and uh, when it's down and everyone says it's dead, normally it's a good time to buy. But, um, yeah, you know, first of, first I started like, you know, basic like with stock and like stock market and and. And that like the ETFs, the big ex- uh, big uh, funds. But uh, yeah, then I discovered cryptocurrencies and uh, yeah, I, I spent a lot of time there.
2: Um, actually um, got an expert question there for you. Oh, well, I'm hoping you are the expert. <laughs> there is apparently the most wanted woman on earth is a woman from India. I believe she had her own crypto uh, money empire. Did you had any money invested in that? Because I think that's all gone. She has disappeared. And apparently she yeah. is on the FBI list. Most Wanted Woman Alive. Yeah. The, you, you heard
1: of that case? Yeah. Uh, I think there was even... I'm not sure if, if I have the same case in my mind. But I think there was even like a documentary or something on Netflix about Yes, that. absolutely.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, it was huge. Yeah, like yeah, hundreds yeah. of millions of, of dollars are gone. Yeah.
1: No, like uh, I was... Yeah, I don't know, like, you know, I I found out early that for me personally, it was a good way to buy the cryptocurrencies and store it on my cold wallet, just on my own, not to, you know, like that some companies watch my uh, cryptocurrencies. Also nowadays with FTX, there's a big company also uh, just went down and, you know, the guy is icing on the Bahamas and... Yeah, no one can find him. A lot, like it's really sad. A lot of people lost a lot of money. What is uh, really bad. But um, yeah, I, I luckily quickly found out for myself. Like I said, you know, I have a cold wallet stored uh, on myself, and uh, so yeah, I'm I'm pretty safe with with uh, all that shit uh, going around now. Well,
0: that's good. That's good. I I know that Jens was um, not the investor type to say the least he liked hard goods you know like houses and stuff like that All Right, I- it's good
1: like, yeah yeah it's good I mean uh, if, if, if I can say that I mean uh, Jens is also a bit older than me I think for him it was a good time to invest in uh, <laughs> to invest in in houses and that kind of stuff I mean and like now I, I feel for me like the the prices of houses are pretty high and um, yeah so so I I mean, and also, like like you say, you need to have also interest there. It doesn't make sense to buy houses or first of all, you need the money, of course. But then you also need to spend time, you know, to, to buy the right stuff. And I was not so much interested than I was in like the stock market or then cryptocurrency. So so for me, I found out that that's the way for the moment I want to go. But of course, at one moment, uh, I also want to, to maybe uh, have a house or apartment for myself in the future that's for sure also a goal.
2: Um, just a little easier question now back to cycling. Um, any uh, December training camp coming up with the team like some team building or you know reintegrating the new members of the team into the team any activities planned there in December?
1: Uh, yes, actually uh, on Monday so uh, we are recording this on a Wednesday so uh, yeah next week. Uh, we we all fly to to Calpe, like south of uh, Spain. i the, the city is Atea, where we stay, and yeah, I I stay until twenty first of December. Uh, so it will be like, yeah, more or less two weeks for me. And uh, yeah, all all the new guys also came to the team. Like first time we we meet them, and uh, yeah. I'm, like mentally, I'm also now happy to see everyone back, you know, like when the season is finished, you're like, ah, yeah, it's nice, you know, to to maybe have some weeks uh, just with your friends and family. But now I'm also, you know, happy to to see all those staff members again. And uh, yeah, to just have a chat how how their time was and uh, yeah, where they were uh, on the ho- on the holidays, what they did. And uh, yeah, of course, also big part is also then the training. Uh, to, yeah, to build up the, the condition for, for the first races then.
0: And talking about the training, how do you feel your off-season training went? Is this going to be kind of going in kind of cold or, and use this whole camp as kind of like getting the system back online? Or are you already going there with some some training objectives in, in mind?
1: Uh, yeah, like, since since I'm in the team, like, uh, I, I, have a, I have a coach from England and, um yeah for, for like our relationship uh, between these others i I think is really good, and we always had clear goals and basically, I was progressing the whole winter, you know like yeah once I got back on the bike i i started i think with ten eleven hours a week, like every second day on the bike, just yeah to get used to it and uh yeah, I was building up now to like 18, 19, 20 hours a week. And last week I did like 23, 24 hours. And uh yeah, mainly just just riding, a lot of gym stuff. Uh I did next to the bike. And yeah, you know, like last week's I started a bit with yeah, like just zone two, zone three work, big gear, like basically like old school school stuff, like nothing. Nothing special and uh, yeah, now in, in December we increase of course the volume uh, with the better weather, like I, I live in Germany, It's we, we had good weather like uh, last week, like for me as a cyclist really good, but now also it got cold, so it's much harder for me to, to do long hours of course, and uh, yeah, now in Spain we just do four, five, six hour rides. Climbing, some, some sprints, some leadouts maybe, and uh, then mainly individual efforts, like, depends on on uh, yeah, on yeah, the condition of, of every rider then.
2: So these uh, December training camps, you also talk about uh, the training and racing program for the coming year, for 2023. Why don't you give us your dream racing program you would love to do, and then maybe give us the version which is probably the one you're gonna get
1: <laughs> and tell us the differences in between them please Yeah, w- w- what I know like for sure I mean it, I think most of the pro cyclists now who do the race they they basically now for sure now already is I do down under next year uh, to run under in Australia so uh yeah we start like in January so that, that's why yeah I do already a bit more than usually like uh, because it's yeah, it's the first race, and I was never really the guy who who had a dream calendar, like because what I, what I found out anyway, I can't change it. So you know, when when I have some races I really want to do, or, and and then someone tells me, yeah, you can't do that races, then I'm disappointed. So I found out for myself, like yeah, I, I just take what what the team. Gives me, you know, and um, I don't know. Like I, I like the late races in Italy, you know. Normally they're not. It's for me as a sprinter. There's normally not a big uh, issue with with the time limits. Uh, like I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of Tirrenia Adriatico if I compared with Paris Nice, for example. And um, yeah, like for me, like like as a sprinter, the the races in in uh yeah, where a lot of sprints is normally good, like uh like UAE Tour, Saudi Tour, Tour of Oman, that are all that are all normally good races for me as a sprinter. And uh yeah, for our team normally races like Valenciana, Algarve is normally good races for the climbers. So yeah, just you know, for me like uh to, to make good results I need I need support, so I, I'm happy. You know, when I go to a race and I get some guys for the sprints and then I'm just happy, you know, I, I don't care if the race is in the north and the south rest, I don't know, like, I'm just happy to, to race and get opportunities for sprints.
0: Well, I was obviously not a sprinter, but I <laughs> have always been very curious about that mindset of a sprinter like yourself going into a stage race that has difficult and climbing terrain tell us a little bit about that when you do get thrown into a race where you know most of those stages are just going to be difficult for you and then the sprint stages are limited
1: um yeah it's actually actually good like good question um yeah if if it's not a sprint stage like for me it feels like like of course there's less pressure because if it's a, if if it's a sprint day like for me, I, I have the ambition to win the race, so it's high pressure because, yeah, I, I need to win the sprint. But if it's a climbing day, of course, there's less pressure for me to, I can't do a result. So no one expects something from me, but uh, yeah, there's different pressure because then, you know, it, it will be much, much harder day than a sprint day. Like like for me, you know, when, when the climb was just you know, start their engine. Normally I'm already full on the limit and probably dropped already in the copetto and like turning with if I'm lucky with 20, 30, maybe 40 other guys if I'm if I'm unlucky like with five guys or ten. And uh yeah, like yeah you you have bad days for sure. Like luckily like my last season was was quite solid, so I never had like really bad, bad days where I was on my own. But yeah, like as a sprinter, you have, you have three, four, five days a year where it's terrible, where where you're just chasing all day and um, yeah, like, like, yeah, like I'm super nervous if it's uphill start, it's the worst you can have, like for me as a sprinter, like you know, like the climbers are chilled, they're like, oh yeah, let the breakaway go. And you know, then we start racing the last two climbs. And yeah, for me it's like, yeah, you know, like I go flat out from the start and uh take an extra coffee in the bus and yeah, start as light as possible, just thinking about every kilo and just yeah, just hope other guys feel the same than you, and then yeah, you find each other and and go to the finish.
2: So maybe um, fill us in with the secret. Is there a secret WhatsApp group between all the sprinters? <laughs> like you sent a message the night before, hey, Kev, why don't we get dropped at kilometer 3.7 on the yeah. second climb? <laughs> and Kev is riding the same to Giacomo Zolo and to Dylan Grunewagen, And we all agree, hey, look, let's all get together and then we are safe. Is there something like a camaraderie or solidarity between the sprinters? Or is it after all everybody for himself
1: yeah unfortunately it's everybody for himself like there's no communication like like if, if it's multiple mountain stages behind each other and and you've been already in the competitive the day before like yeah of course you know i i, I also start talking like hey tomorrow guys you know it's it's the queen stage <laughs> we really need to work together and i think every, everyone is committed like to to really work together but that that's, you know, the, the, the way from getting dropped to finding a good guppetto, like is a full fight, like individual, like everyone is going flat out. And then, yeah, the, the level of the sprinters is also a bit similar. So let's say when Kev and me get dropped, normally when we have good days, 10, 15, 20 other guys are around us and then. Uh, yeah, but until the you know when when it's uphill start, then normally until the top of the first climb you go flat out, and then then you meet meet on the top, and then uh, yeah, you, you race downhill like yeah, you risk you risk everything down to 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 uh, yeah suffer a bit less on the climbs or to to just limit the loss in the downhills or in the best way, or, of course, gaining some time maybe sometimes.
0: Yeah, it, it seems like grand tours are becoming less and less friendly to sprinters. Yeah. You know, many are starting with shorter stages, more explosive stages, like you mentioned, those uphill starts, which are, I don't think, fun for anyone. But yeah. do you agree with, I guess, what is your opinion about it? The the, I guess, the new on-mode style of taking less of the sprinter stages away and making it always kind of like a a gc battle
1: um yeah you know like i just saw like an interview also from viviani like uh today or maybe yesterday where he said like um they are let what the organizers make it more hard to have pure sprinters because at these times there are bunch sprints like even if it's two thousand two and a half thousand or sometimes three thousand meters of climbing and they still it can be a bunch sprint or still may, sometimes it's one of the only opportunities to 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 have a sprint even if it's two thousand meters of, of climbing and um yeah it makes it like like the level of the sprinters gets higher and higher also like uh yeah i think uh, everyone is afraid of of of, of the climbing, of the meters of climbing and also just the general level in the, in the pilot tour just gets higher, the The organization in the teams gets better. So the, the speed always gets gets faster because of aerodynamics, because of better material. And then, yeah, just, just the general level gets higher. So as a sprinter, you need, at these days, you need to have like a good threshold. You need to be super fit because. The five minutes before the bunch sprints are already so so hard and full gas that you that at the end the, the more or less the, the sprinter who still uh, well, who suffered uh, less at the end ha- has the most power and then he can win win the race if he has the position. So um, yeah, like I mean I'm I'm, I'm not a pure sprinter like back in the days, kind of Greipel or Kittel. Like if, if I look to my German uh, uh, sprinters, you know, like for me, sometimes it's not that bad to have some climbs, but I'm also not a good climber, but, but yeah, compared to like pure sprinters, sometimes I, I, I can climb better, but yeah, it's, I don't know, like it's, it's difficult, yeah, for sure.
2: To make it even more difficult, you are in the team Bahrain victorious, and you do have a few pretty good climbers there,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, you know, um, Mikel Landa, for example. Uh, how do you deal with the plan that you know you have a sprint that day in two or three or four days coming up, but the team goes, hey, Mikel really needs you for the first 100 kilometers as his bodyguard. You stay with Mikel Landa every single second of the race until you basically blow up is isn't that hard for you sometimes you go yeah but i would like to win the sprint in three Mm -hmm. days from now if i could save some energy is it difficult for you sometimes to find a balance
1: there or how do you deal with that um normally it's just the day before the sprint where where i or where, where where sprinters gets a kind of an easier job like if it's if it's still three days to the next sprint you are full involved in the or to to be a helper to to help the climbers to or to to help also the guys who can maybe make a good uh, stage result, to bring bottles to 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 bring uh rain jackets and all that kind of stuff. If it's like like me, like I I get one day before before the sprint. Uh, I, yeah, I get an easier job. So then. Then uh, maybe it's just the, the, the first part of the race where, where the breakaway is, is going just to control there a bit, maybe. And yeah, then when the race is going on, I'm I yeah I'm also kind of protected to save already a bit of energy to have an yeah, easy day as possible. And uh, yeah, to have maybe a bit more energy for, for the next day for the sprint then. But uh, yeah, like I said, three days or two days before you're fully involved in, uh, in, in helping the leaders
0: and do sprinters feel or see fear like when i watch you guys on tv i am white knuckled freaking out do you guys see the same fear that we see or are you just totally zoned zoned out to that and it's you know stay on that wheel and there's the finish line
1: uh yeah like of course, I mean I cannot speak for everyone. I just can can speak for myself or or guys. I can talk. Uh, I I talk sometimes, but f- for me, like in the last kilometer, I'm without fear. Like I, I totally agree. In the last kilometer, maybe the last two kilometers, you you have so much adrenaline. You you put already so much work in, and it, and also the pressure you have as a sprinter. There's really like, yeah. You, you don't have friends anymore there like then it's really you really fight for for every wheel for every position but all all the rest before when you when you still you know when it's when you still can yeah where where it's still possible to break and to let to let someone in like i i of course also have i mean yeah there, there sometimes there's some fear i mean sometimes the the you know the the the, the, the races the way you go the last kilometers are crazy with roundabouts with islands and like i'm afraid to just hit one of like an you know like an obstacle or something because that i really want to want to have like to, to have a crash always can happen what what is fine but i really don't want to hit something out of metal what is you know next to the road or something for that I, I, I feel fe- fear myself, but like in the last one or two kilometers, they are not. But all the part before, like I, I try to not crash. And I, I also think about the people who are who are at home and they're waiting for me to, to come back healthy. Um, yeah, but last kilometers not, but all, all the part before. Yes.
2: Did you ever had a situation uh, like I had in my very first Tour de France? We had Stuart O'Grady, my teammate and friend in a yellow mm-hmm. jersey, and we were going for bonus sprints. And so I'm, he's second last, I'm last to keep his wheel clean. So I, I'm basically on the white line, there's no more mm-hmm. space. And then somebody taps me on my butt Hey, Jens, Jens, let me in. And it's Eric Zabel. And we went together to school. I was at his mm-hmm. wedding, he's an old friend of mine. Yeah. And I said, Eric, listen, I do it one more time for you. But don't ask me again. Mm-hmm. This is my team, and it's a yellow jersey for the Tour de France. I do it one more time for you, but don't ask me again. Then after yeah. the race, we had a good talk. He said, yeah. "I understand. I appreciate you let me in, but I will not ask again because I yeah. see the the. Did you had a
1: situation like that once or twice? Um, yeah, of course. I I I also have um, like like friends next to cycling who I race against, and like like my best friend is Nikias' aunt. He's German. He's more now he was more involved in leadouts, but like in the last kilometers we fight against each other. And I always told him like, "Man, like you're my best friend. I, I respect you." But like I said, on the last kilometer, I don't make I I don't make difference between you or other guys. Like if it's if it's for for the results or for the win, I'm sorry, but I I I need to do this. Then uh, I I always compared a bit. I don't know, if, Yeah, I, I compare it always with, with football, like if Bayern Munich play, play against Dortmund, the, the, the Germans, you know, they, they make a foul and they tackle each other. And, you know, they, they argue and fight. But if they come to the national team, they're best friends, you know. And for me, it always feels a bit the same. Like, I do everything for my teammates, like like you said, with, for Stuart O'Grady, you, you you did everything for him and it's the same for me. I, I do everything for my teammates and they are for me in the race more important than, than my friends, because it's my job to, to do that. And yeah, I, I, I get paid for that and my team expects yeah, the best possible Phil Bauhaus at that day. So I really want to do my job as good mm-hmm. as possible. And uh, yeah, then then I, I mean yeah in, in the last kilometer or when it's really important i I don't uh, uh, make a difference between a friend or not, but of course yeah when it's when it's uh, still 100 kilometer to go, of course you then you let a friend in or you know but like when it's the, the, the deciding situation in the race, then there, there's yeah I, I can't do it then) <laughs>
0: It's really starting to feel like winter around here. And I know that when most people think about trail forks, they think about mountain biking season. But there are also a ton of features and layers geared for winter activities like fat biking, Nordic skiing, snowshoeing, and snowmobiling. Right now, you can get global
2: access to the app with 30% off for our final sale of the holidays. If you're headed out fat biking or Nordic skiing, use the snow grooming layer to find trails nearby. You can also check the snow forecast right in the app, see slope angle and the avalanche forecast and filter the map for whatever kind of winter activity you've got planned.
0: And of course, you get favorite features like the popularity heat map and trail reports. This 30% off deal is for Trailforks Pro with Outside Plus. So you will get all the goods from the outside network. Unlimited digital content, films and TV shows, and expert-led online courses. Get it for yourself
2: or gift it to your buddies without worrying about shipping over the holidays. Find out more and get 30% off for a limited time at trailforks.com slash podcast.
0: Talking about friends, uh, a couple years ago, we had Mark Cavendish on on an earlier version of this podcast, and he mentioned that you and he had a really good relationship when you were both on the Bahrain McLaren team. I think it was 2020. Um, What did you learn from him as a writer and a person during that difficult period for him?
1: Yeah, it was... uh... For me, it was a really important year. Like, yeah, unfortunately for everyone, of course, of course, but also for for us, our group. That was the, the COVID year, so it was for everyone. It was a different, different year. And um, but yeah, in, in in the beginning of the season, you know, yeah, you had the training camps. We, we start racing, and I was planned to do yeah the lead outs for him, and um, yeah, I, I I took a lot. Like even if if it wasn't his best year, I I I learned a lot. Like like the way how he's thinking, how you know how yeah, just being a sprinter. How yeah, what what he's like in the, in the final kilometers. What he's yeah, what he all has in his mind. And you know like on the t- TV or like sometimes he's like ah, oh, he was lucky to find that gap. But you know he. He's like, yeah, you know, I stay here. I find this gap and I win, or I don't get a result. You know, it's it's clear plans from him, and that I took a bit for myself also. And uh, yeah, like like he said, I I felt the relationship between each us was was good, and it's still good. Like when we now did race did races together, so we always talk, and uh, I feel like also that uh, of course. If if he wins or if I, I won a race, it's always a bit like, ah, yeah, the other one also wanted to win, you know, there's a bit tension, but like the next day I, I feel like the, the guy, you know, the other guy is also happy that, that he, that, that Mark won or that I won, you know, like, and um, no, yeah, I, I'm really happy that, that I was his teammate. So it really was a nice time.
2: From my experience racing with Mark, of course, never in a sprint. Mm-hmm. His heart is a lot bigger and softer than he lets us know. I think yeah. he's inside. He's a much better and nicer person. He sometimes comes across, "Hey, I want to win and I'm do yeah. everything for that." But I think yeah. he's actually he's a really nice person. He no, just feels yeah. enormous pressure on himself. Yes. Yeah. Um, do you think that Mark Cavendish can or will break the Tour de France record of stage wins with Eddie Merckx?
1: Yeah, I believe. I mean, um, to be honest, I don't know the situation. Like, uh, if he has already a team or for next year, or I actually, I, I, I don't know at the moment. But um, if he if he finds a team for for next year and they will participate at the Tour de France, I'm I'm pretty sure that he can uh, that can he can beat the record and and win uh, races there. I mean. Uh, yeah, like he, he showed like uh, the last years, he, he's still performing on the highest level. And uh, like I feel also this time, like it's it's not easy to win 10 bike races every year. You know, it's I, I think maybe it's a bit different time than than five six seven or 10 years ago, where, where like some sprinters won 10, 15, maybe even 20 bike races a year and uh, yeah, like, to the outside sometimes, like, you're like, ah, yeah, Mark just won four races, it's a shit year, but, you know, it's still, like, he won, like, four big races, or, you know, like, I, yeah, if he goes to the Tour de France, I'm pretty sure he can uh, beat the record, and uh, I think if he's there, and he, he had a good season before, I, I, I would pretty much bet that he will take the record, because, like, like you say, he's mentally so strong if he has a goal and he feels like he can achieve it, I think, then, uh, yeah, then he's making history and uh, then, yeah, I'm pretty sure then he will achieve it.
0: Well, you finished your first Grand Tour this year at the Giro. Do you have any Tour de France aspirations?
1: Uh, yeah, like, of course, like uh, one once in a life, I, I, I would like to race there. Um like, it, yeah, it, like when I was young, of course, like, you know, it was always my dream to to be one time at the start line of the Tour de France and then uh, maybe even win a stage, like, would be, you know, would be the, the biggest ambition for me. Um, no, but of course, like, also to be honest, to because in, in Germany, you know, like, if, if you say you're like professional bike rider. They're like, ah, yeah, you you also race the Tour de France. And then I'm like, ah, no, I didn't. And they're like, ah, yeah, okay. Then you're not a professional bike rider, you know, like, yeah, you don't race the Tour. And yeah, to also, you know, then everyone in Germany also understand like, ah, yeah, he's a professional bike uh, rider. But uh, no, of course, for my personal ambition, it would be really nice to at least start one time in my life uh, there. And then, of course, also finish then. the tour would be nice and as a sprinter you always want to win so if i can win a stage then i'm happy for the rest of my life so um talking about the grand tours
2: um which stages makes you the most excited or nervous sprinter days for yourself or maybe a breakaway where you go maybe i can slip into a 10 rider Uh, break and then i beat them all in a sprint or is it the mountain stages because you're so freaking nervous
1: because of the uh, time limit which are yeah. the
2: best or the worst stages for you? Um,
1: yeah, it's difficult. Like if it's, if it's, a, if it's a sprint day, I, I, I feel a lot pressure like for myself just to, to make a good result. And, and you know, like to, to give something back to my teammates or the Svanjos, the mechanics. They all put so much effort into me to, yeah, to, to give me the chance to make good results. So there I feel the pressure. To, to pay something back, but yeah, like where, where I'm more nervous is like the, the climbing days. Like, you know, like normally sprint days, you start break away and then it's kind of easy for like three hours until you start racing for the last, yeah, 50, 60, 70, 80 kilometers depends. But yeah, and you're not on the limits straight away. Like, like I said before, for me, the mountain stages makes me nervous just that I that I can't finish, <laughs> that you know that I don't find the copetto, that 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 I'm the the worst climber. Like like mainly it's the first first hard day. I'm I'm the most nervous because after that day you know your level. <laughs> like when you know when it's the first hard day you are like yeah you know all the other guys seem to be really strong. I was maybe suffering more, but then it's the first hard day and then you know okay. 10 guys are on the same level than me or 20 or I don't know. So, you know, when it's the fifth mountain stage, then it's already like, ah, yeah, when I drop, for sure there will be 30 other guys also dropped. But uh, that that first really, really hard day, maybe I'm I'm the most uh, nervous.
0: You mentioned something a little earlier that just got me thinking because I can remember back in the day when Grand Tours would start off with, I don't know, a whole week, maybe even 10 yeah. days of sprinter stages. Yeah. And like you said, some of those sprinters would have three, four, five, seven wins in a, in a grand tour. But now we're seeing those wins, those quality sprint wins kind of spread around quite a few more sprinters. What do you think has changed over the last five, 10, 15, 20 years where you went from having that really dominant guy that won five, six, seven stages, to now guys being happy with just one?
1: Um, I mean, yeah, I, I wasn't in the, in the peloton at that time. Just what I maybe can see from the outside, maybe I'm also wrong, but what, what I feel, you know, like, like if, if you take me, for example, like as an example, like I, I'm not the best sprinter in the world. Like I'm, I'm probably a decent sprinter, but I get full support by my team. Like I think back in the days, if you like 15, 20 years ago, a guy who sprinted, you know, like maybe he won like two, three races, but a lot of times he was second, third, fifth, eighth, I don't know, like I think this guy didn't get decent support. He was like, oh, yeah, just go there and go on the wheel of Zabel or Pitaki, I don't know, and uh, try to win the stage. And uh, those guys who won a lot of races, they got full lead out support. And now I feel like if, if you look at the top ten of a bunch sprint, all of that ten sprinters got massive support. Like they all had like at least two, three, four guys, you know, protect them then, try to, to bring them in the last kilometer, of course. And and. Yeah, some, some guys, like the, the, the best runners at the moment, they get decent lead out until the last 200 meters. But all other guys still get super good support into the last kilometer. And I think that makes makes maybe uh, a big difference, that, that more guys get chances to win the race like with with decent support. Like, yeah, if you see Grand Tour, they're, uh, Grand Tour, they're, they're at least four five... Sprinters where you where you are like ah yeah he can win the bunch win today and he has a good team also and um, yeah that that's what I what I said also before at the end I think the guy or the sprinter who wins the race which team did the best lead out like the normally yeah, the sprinter who got get the lead out until two hundred meters to go the, the the chance is pretty high he wins the race also you know if if you're on fifth wheel you it's not possible, or well, most of the time, it's not possible to win anymore.
2: And um, for me, now I'm working for Eurosport commentating, and sometimes we watch the slow motions. Sometimes I'm surprised and shocked how close dgc riders are in the sprints, like especially yeah. Tade Pogaccia. He's sometimes yeah. nine, 10, 11s. Yeah. When it's a little uphill sprint, you go, damn. Is that getting on your nerves that the GC riders are there to take up space and getting in the way of you? Or you go, hey, respect for you to be here.
1: Um, Yeah, I feel like it's mainly in the ground tours, of course. Like, I I think in the one-week stage races, the the GC guys hold also a bit more back. But, yeah, like, I think at the end, it's, it's the pressure we all get, unfortunately. Like, sometimes it's good pressure, but... You know, you see, guys, they have, especially in a Grand Tour for three weeks, they're fighting for every second and every day in the bars. They're like, "Hey, guys, it's it's an easy sprint day, but today we can lose the Tour, or we can lose the Giro, or the Vuelta." So every day, the riders they get just pressure to don't lose the race, and and at the end, pressure I think is what all makes us. Yeah, racing to our limits, to take more danger because everyone expects from us to, to perform. And like, yeah, of course, for me as a sprinter, it's sometimes you're like, oh, fuck, like, oh, like all those climbers around us, you're a bit more like, yeah, with the sprinters, you know, okay, they, they know how it is in a bunch sprint, you know, they, you you feel like uh, they don't crash and, you know, we're all safe and with, sometimes with climbers you you don't know if they they are used to get body checked or not or and uh, but yeah on the other side i i understand also the the climbers they yeah they 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 fight for every second and yeah sometimes you know they they are yeah sometimes there's you know like maybe one out of 20 bunch sprints they they give 3 seconds gap and then if, if they would take it easy that day, they, they lose five seconds. And you know how it is, like, it's always easier to fend time than to gain time on climbing days. It's always easier to sit on the wheel and to say, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm two seconds in front of you. I don't need to pull or I just sit on your wheel than to gain that two seconds. So yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's not nice, but I, I understand them also, like they need to do this.
0: Let's talk about after the race. You've already you're a, you're a big guy, you're a sprinter, you're you're going up all these climbs all the day all the time. What is your recovery protocol like? And what is your kind of favorite recovery option? Um, there seems to be so many of them now, but if you had a big sprint day coming up, how would you kind of treat that immediately after the finish line? Until, I don't know, an hour and a half, two hours later when you were back at the hotel.
1: Uh, yeah. Like when, when we come into the finish, like every team we have our swan waiting for us. And then, yeah, the first recovery is always then already to, to just take straight away a drink, like, uh, yeah, like a or Sprite, just some fast sugars and, uh, yeah. Then, then we come to the bus, we have our recovery shakes, uh, made. And uh, that that's the first first uh, yeah big recovery meal I, I would say you take, and then normally after the shower, then then the chef uh, prepared some uh, yeah some some recovery food for you uh, like in the grand you you can decide a bit at the end. It needs to be also tasty. Like uh, you know, one guy likes he he likes pasta more, or, or the other guy a rice or uh like like what i found out for me i I really like milk rice uh after the race and uh there are also guys who like more oatmeal you know but for me milk rice worked uh, really good and um like then also in 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 the big races like grand tours the the nutrition is also made made person-like plates you know that it's the right amount for for me like let's say i'm 75 kilos They estimate the the average power I put out and they they calculate already the next day. So, yeah, then, you know, they they make a big picture, like they include the recovery drink. Then, uh, yeah, like a person I played uh, as first recovery meal and then, uh, yeah, you come to the hotel. And uh, yeah, it depends, sometimes you're more hungry, sometimes you're already full, but you can take a snack in the food room and then, uh, yeah, I, I like to wait then until dinner and, and to get uh, like nice pasta and uh, yeah, but, but I think the, the most important is like the recovery shake and then for me the milk rice after, after the race in the bus is uh, like super important.
2: I'm so glad you mentioned the milk rice. I swear to everything that's important to me that milk rice wants one meter tour of Germany. We had a split day, short (laughs) day in the morning, then resting for three or four hours on a the afternoon. And I asked especially for milk rice. And I think that was one meter time trial. So yes, I'm so glad to have somebody like that. But How do you deal with, they tell you what to eat? I I couldn't have that. If somebody tells me, hey, that's 320 grams of pasta plus 20 grams of vegetables and whatever, half a steak. I'm like, F you, (laughs) I want the entire steak, please. I I couldn't deal with it. Is it hard for you that people Um, tell you how
1: much you can eat? For me, it's actually the other way around sometimes. Like I, I, I can't eat what they want me to eat. Like, for me, it's too much sometimes. Like, for me personally, I really like those calculations by the nutritionists because it gives me, like, if I eat this, like the amount he said, that it gives me a good mental feeling. Like, then then I know I'm I'm 100% sure I eat enough. Like, when I do it on my own, it's like, you know, you, probably you, you both know the situation, like, hmm, did I eat enough? Like, maybe I could eat one more plate pasta, but actually I don't want to, and maybe I'm full. You're, you're like, yeah, like, ah, yeah, no, I'm, I was good. And then next day you feel like, ah, oh, shit, I should have taken the, the, the second plate pasta. So when, when we get this calculations, I, I have to say I'm, I'm really happy with, with our nutritionists, and they're also really open-minded, like when when you say, I feel like your calculation was maybe a bit too less, then they're like open-minded and say, okay, then then eat a bit more if you really feel like it was too less. So, so like with us, we never had problems that, that you know, like riders uh, couldn't eat enough or then, you know, and uh, but also for me as a sprinter, I think it's a bit more more easier than for a climber. Like if, if I gain 400 grams of body weight, it doesn't make a big impact for me, but but for a guy maybe who wants to fight for 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 the overall win or podium makes a huge difference if, if he has half a kilo more maybe. So um, yeah. For me it was never a big issue. Like and, and I really I really like actually the support we get of the nutritionists.
0: Well I got two things to say. A back in the day you never wanted to have Yen stay at your house in between races because like the fridge was just rooted right away like rated. <laughs> i'm sorry and yogurt especially i couldn't imagine but it's it's so cool to hear your options your your fueling options because yenzi do you remember back on those french teams we would get a a bottle of water with siro which is basically syrup and then mm-hmm. a bagel Or i'm sorry a baguette sandwich with butter and one slice of ham and honestly mm-hmm. When you see them making it, it takes them 20 seconds to make each sandwich, then they roll it up in a piece of tin foil and boom, there's your recovery meal. So, I'm yeah. glad to hear that world tour pros are getting taken care of by personal chefs these days.
1: Yeah, like it's for for me like it's a yeah, it's a big big upgrade like especially in those long races like grand tours you like like you know, for me also then the, 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 the food or the, the the amount you need to eat is also kind of a fight for me because yeah basically you're just on the bike or at the massage table or you're eating. Like you're all the all the time eating and then if you get good quality food like from, from a chef from the team, like it's really yeah, really helpful and also to, to avoid like food poison and, and this kind of stuff, you know, like you you're always sure. Like the, the, the food you always eat, or the fish you get, or the steak you get is always cooked in a good way. And um, yeah, that really helps me also.
2: So, uh, Phil, you uh, spent some time now with Bahrain, McLaren, Bahrain victorious. Are you happy with being in an international team, English speaking team? Or you like with one eye always look, hey, what's Borahans Grover doing? Maybe they have a spot open for me going home to a German team, speak German again. Or you don't mind at all to be. The international man of mystery.
1: No, I like. I'm I'm super happy. Um, like you say, I'm, it was now my fourth season, and I extended also my contract for two more years. So, so I will spend at least two two more years with the team. And uh, no, I'm like I'm I'm super super happy, and uh, yeah, like everyone in the team is is also super open-minded. You know, like super super friendly and. Um, no, I mean, I, I was also two years uh, in Bora when they were bora R 18, when it was pro continental team and also there and I, I enjoyed my time. Of course, also back then I was, I was a lot younger. Uh, of course, it helped me also to speak German. You know, it was my first two seasons in in the pro pelotor. It, w- it was a lot easier for me to, to also be able to speak German, to to ask some. Yeah, also also with English, you know, like I always could speak English, but it was for me much more difficult to 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 understand everything. And uh, now that helped me also a lot. But um, now I would say like uh, yeah, for me it doesn't matter that, that I'm an international team. But um, yeah, like I'm 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 super happy in 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 the team. And yeah, of course I think also the the. The environment or the, yeah, in, in, in Bora is also nice. I, I think there are not many teams where it's like where you feel uncomfortable or something. Uh, yeah.
2: Phil, thanks a million times for mm-hmm. being our guest today. It was fantastic to talk to you. And I guess Bobby and me, we wish you all the best for the upcoming training camp. And oh, of yeah. course, for the next season, we keep an eye on you. And just to let you know, no pressure, of course, but just to let you know. We talked to Lissy Dainyang on Tuesday. Saturday, she wins the first-ever women's Paris-Roubaix. We talked to Bob Jungles. He talks all about he struggled for years with uh, operation on his artery. S- two months later, he wins the Tour de France stage and has a comeback. So we do have some good mojo, Phil, and we want to extend some of our good luck for you. You're going to so have good. a good season, my friend. So thanks so again good. for being our guest.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me. I uh, really enjoyed the time and uh, talking to you guys. Thank you.
2: Well, that's all our time for this week. Huge thanks
0: to Phil Bauhaus for being our guest. Thank you all for listening. Please give us a five star review and share us with your friends. The show was a value News production
2: in association with Shock Giraffe. The producer was Mark Payne, and this episode was
0: edited by Tim Mosser. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Bobby and Jens, and share your cycling stories with us.
2: I know you have already heard a little bit about TrailFox Pro from Bobby and me, but it's our final sale
0: of the holidays. And I don't want you to miss out on 30% off. On top of global access to the Trail Forks app, this subscription also comes with Outside Plus. That means you get benefits across the outside network. And as a member, you're supporting incredible projects like Pink Bike Racing. If you haven't checked out season three on Outside Watch yet, I highly recommend it. It's my kind of reality TV with 10 mountain bikers competing for $30,000 and a pro contract. Outside Watch also has more than 600 hours of member-only
2: content, including every Warren Miller film ever made. And you get full access with Outside Plus.
0: I know what I am doing over the holidays. This is our last sale of the holidays, so get it for yourself or gift it to your buddies. And by the way, you don't need to worry about shipping. Find out more and get 30% off for a limited time at trailforks.com slash podcast.